On today's episode, we are going to take a look at JP Morgan. They just reported earnings earlier this week. This company has lost about one third of its value when comparing it to the highs of February. So I wanted to see if now was the time to buy. So let's get started. So first, let's take a look at the stock price. This company right now is sitting at $95.18. This past Friday, it had a great day, 9% up, but the pretty much the whole market was just was just on a rampage on, on Friday. But when we still compare it to its highs in February, this company is still down close to 31%. That's that's insane, right? We had a te- almost almost a 10% up on JP Morgan, but we're still 30% away from its all-time highs. So right now, the lower rates is probably it's also affecting this price compared to um, February, right, where rates were a lot higher in the start of February compared to where they are at now. So just the rates alone are also affecting this company's stock price. Before we begin, guys, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, the thumbs up, and the bell. It helps the small channel out so much, and I appreciate all the feedback that I'm getting from the viewers. So thank you guys for watching this episode. I also just created a Discord group. The information will be below, and there's some nice amount of members there already, so feel free to come in and just hang out and talk about investing. Finally, I did do a video on Bank of America earlier this week, so if you guys want to check that out, the information will be on the pinned comments and on the description. So next, let's just take a look at the results for earnings. JP Morgan for quarter one gap earnings per share were 78 cents, which missed by $1.34. Revenue was $28.25 billion. It missed by $1.2 billion. And that's a 3% down compared to same time last year. Before we take a look at their presentation for earnings, I found this pretty cool article that mentioned that Director Stephen B just bought 75,000 shares of JP Morgan on April 16th at an average price of $87.99. So sometimes big names like the directors or the chairmen, they usually have a yearly or some form of scheduled buy, um, buying of shares. So here I went on lazyfa.com and it's a website I use. So I decided to see insider behavior. So here we see Stephen B who is a director he bought 75,000 shares that was about 6.6 million dollars worth of shares so i i want to check when was the other time he purchased some form of units or some form of amount like this he did purchase some in late march but it was only 569 units so not even 51,000 dollars about 51,000 dollars another time he bought in early in mid-january and again he only bought 1.82 so nowhere near that 75,000 that he just bought in december he bought 386 again nowhere near the 75,000 in september of 2019 he bought 329 in june of of 2019 he bought 297 so it, it it seems like this guy does not buy this amount of shares on a consecutive schedule basis that, that's definitely good news and I just wanted to show you guys that even the director seems to be pretty bullish on the stock right now and he bought 75,000 in this past week and that's about 6.6 million dollars worth of shares. I wish I had 6.6 million dollars worth of anything. All right, so now I pulled up their financial results. This is the presentation that they gave to to the investors during their earnings. And here I've highlighted some of the important information. I'm obviously not going to read the whole thing. That that would be boring. 
So this is for the earnings for first quarter of 2020, which they reported April 14th. Right now we're on April 18th, so only four days ago. All right, so first I want to talk about their about how they're doing with other businesses. And as a bank, one of the major uh, one of the major impacts you have through the overall economy is to produce some form of loans to businesses. And here I'm just going to talk about loans made by J by by JP Morgan. They are partner with the with the United States government right now to be able to send out the Paycheck Protection Program. But that's pretty much more of a national thing and every bank is doing that so i i don't want to talk much about that i really much just want to talk about loans that jp morgan does within its own entity and no other entity involved so first they've they throughout march alone they've experienced about 75 billion dollars worth of loan out of that 75 billion 66 percent comes from existing customers from customers just pulling out of their existing line. So it's not a new form of credit, it's just this customer already had some form of credit line with JP Morgan and they're just pulling out what they already were granted. The other 33% or 25 billion comes from new credit extensions. So these are pretty much just new customers or some more of new credit line being approved. To me, I'm just pretty happy to see that existing credit lines is still higher than new credit lines. I think the moment we see new credit lines overtake existing credit lines, it becomes a scary scenario when thinking in a, in a downturn economy. If this was an upward economy, I, I think you would see more businesses opening up and you would probably see more new credit extensions being, being pulled out opposed to new credit lines. So I guess it all depends on the type of economy segment you're in right now when i feel we are in a bit of a downtrend because everything is shut down during this moment i still would prefer i would prefer to see existing credit lines being pulled out instead of new credit lines being pulled out next i want to talk about just capital return to shareholders this company has a common dividend of 90 dollars per 90 cents per share imagine 90 dollars per share i would buy a bazillion of these a bazillion but again, we don't know if this company is going to slow down in dividends. Obviously, if things start continue to go on the downtrend, every all businesses are already doing their first pulling their repurchase program out of line. Most of them have suspended. JP Morgan is no different. They just announced that they have suspended the repurchase for those through the second quarter of 2020 but they did purchase six billion dollars of shares in the first quarter but again if things continue to go down after suspending of repurchase usually they start heading into dividends will probably be next in line so next i want to take a look at a few charts that this company did provide and i'm pretty happy that they do this right i i'm a big fan of charts bank of america i did a bank of america video and they also provided a pretty cool chart that uh, it shows different information from here but i like the information that they provided and here bank is pretty much just talking about debit and credit card sales volume year to year growth so this is how much growth um so right we can start here from january to february it seemed like there was a, a, a small growth of credit expenses in all sectors so we see the retail sector the restaurant sectors the supermarket sector and the travel and expense and exp any travel expense sector so we can see at the beginning of the year right here all there there was an increase in volume compared to the same time last year 
When the market started to close, when the overall coronavirus started to affect the United States, we see a slowdown in restaurants uh, big. But even before that, travel took the biggest hit from early February. So from early February, travel took a huge hit. And look, right now, year-to-year -year sales volume on travel expenses is close to 100% down. So people are pretty much not spending any money on travel and that's actually pretty I, i've actually did not see that and that's pretty insane right there that's something that we should definitely keep a mind of and we can see why these credit these cruise lines these airlines have taken such a huge hit but to have almost a hundred percent sale decrease year to year on the travel expense is a very very big thing restaurants have taken about close to a 60 percent hit and you can see they were a little bit slow that um slower compared to to the travel and then we have retail retail has taken close to i want to say 20 i wish they had smaller numbers but has taken a smaller hit compared to travel and retail and and restaurants so a lot more people are still buying retail out of retail stores which i think it's pretty pretty insane but then when you think about it a lot of people are probably buying some form of electronic equipment to stay busy at home or increasing their subscriptions to Disney Plus, to Netflix, to Hulu, to Amazon, buying a laptop for for working from home or any other type, maybe buying a table, an office. So I can I can understand why maybe the retail sector has not taken a big hit like restaurants. Here we see when the virus started to take a hit, supermarkets, wholesale clubs and discount stores took a huge jump up but then they start to um are starting to go back down and they're still a bit higher compared to jan but uh, compared to january and february but it does seem like it's gonna flat line and there's probably not gonna be much change of the supermarket sector but yeah something i some big things i took from here is travel expenses have dropped down almost a hundred percent compared to same time last year and that's insane restaurants have dropped about 60 percent retail about 15 to 20 percent and supermarkets are the only one up the next chart is also pretty cool it talks about how merchants are processing their volume so the amount of sales they're doing we can see brick motor supermarkets have had such a huge jump they're selling more volume so obviously we're going to see more volume of sales there e-commerce businesses have dropped down but not by much normally they, it looks like they were close to a five percent growth year to year compared to the same time last year now it seems to be only down by down by five percent so not a big change in the e-commerce business any other brick mortar business has taken a huge decrease close to 50 percent um decrease year to year next i wanted to take a look at the trading volume and banks are not not only do they provide loans another thing they do is these are or act as some form of broker for for traders or investors and they here they have their peaks versus january average compared to now equities trading volumes has increased 2.2 percent to january's average rates have increased 3.4 times percent forex trading has increased 2.2 percent credit trades have expressed 1.8 percent and commodities has traded 3.3 times more than the average volume of january so they're definitely making money out of their trading business all right so next let's take a look at this company's financial result for quarter one they have managed revenue which is different from that revenue we saw in seeking alpha 
but here let's just go with their managed revenue of 29.1 billion dollars this 29.1 billion dollars is about one billion dollars less than same time last year but even though their managed revenue was down less than one billion dollars somehow their reported net income was down 6.3 billion dollars you might go hey jose how is that possible that this company only made less than one billion dollars not even one billion dollars less in revenue but how is their net income down by over 6.3 billion dollars that makes no sense at all and the answer is called reserve build so most banks like if you guys saw my bank of america video l all the banks right now are trying to build some form of reserve just in case because they're foreseeing that certain loans certain credit cards might not get paid off so they're starting to create some form of reserve build with this reserve build counts as an expense so for example this quarter one total reserve um total credit cost is what they call it was 8.3 billion dollars out of that 8.3 billion dollars 6.8 billion dollars was considered reserve build now let's just take a look at that reserve build compared to same time last year so same time last year they only had 100 million dollars so 0.1 billion dollars of reserve build compared to now they have 6.8 billion dollars that's why we see over a six billion dollar decrease in total net income compared to same time last year and obviously that made that took a huge hit in this company's reported earnings per share earnings per share like i mentioned were 78 cents for this quarter and that's about a dollar and 87 cents down compared to same time last year so jp morgan makes revenue in different sectors the first sector is consumer and community banking that's just pretty much our, us regular folks using their banking system they collected a rep they collected a revenue of 13.2 billion dollars this year this quarter and that's down two percent compared to same time last year net income of 191 million dollars and that's down 95 percent year over year and why is it down so much the main the same reason i explained to you guys earlier is credit costs credit costs this year was 5.8 billion dollars and that was up 4.5 billion dollars compared to same time last year and that's mainly from that reserve builds so that reserve build that 6.3 bill 6.8 billion dollars that we saw 5.8 comes from consumer and community banking the other sector that they make money from is corporate and investment banks so this is when uh, this is when a big s p 500 comes and needs some form of loans or some form of senior notes they come to a bank like jp morgan to get that net income for this company was for this sector was two billion dollars and it was down 39 percent compared to the same time last year even though revenue is only down one percent how is net income down that big again the same reason credit costs credit costs back then was 100 million same time last year now it's one point it's 1.4 million dollars so we see that huge increase in credit costs which makes this net income decrease next we have commercial banking so commercial banking is pretty much a small small firm pot um, small firm business or some other business not considered corporate that comes to jp morgan and looks for a loan so net income for this for this sector was 147 million dollars and that's down 86 86 year to year 
even though revenue is only down 10%. Jose, why? You know the answer. It is credit costs. Credit costs for this company back then was pretty non, non-essential. It was 10, 10 million, 90 million dollars back then, where now it's 1.01 billion dollars. So you can see where this credit, how this credit cost is affecting the net income for all these sectors. Again, that's not really, to me, it's not really a bad thing, right? I'd rather, I'd rather have this, a bank, start collecting some form of reserve just in case bad things continue to happen opposed to them not doing this now and then later on things start to go bad the other part that they do is assets and wealth management so asset and wealth management this is pretty much when if you use jp morgan and they they have some form of financial advisor that deals with your money puts your money in the correct assets or they also have some form of trading platform where you can buy and sell stocks and this is pretty much asset and wealth management. Revenue for this is $3.6 billion this year, um, this quarter, and it's up 3%. And remember, like I mentioned, this is probably the only sector that's up because that trading volume has increased. Net income is pretty much flat year to year. So you're like saying, Jose, this company actually made more revenue here. Why is net income flat? Well, um, again, another reason, even though it is increasing, they did increase their total credit costs just because of the impact of COVID-19. So for similar reasons. All right, so now we're back here in Seeking Alpha and Seeking Alpha I actually use for multiple reasons. First is to get my earnings on um, my earning news. And second is I like their, anal- their annual earnings per share estimates and their annual revenue per share estimate. First, let's just take a look at revenue estimates. For December of 2020, this company is expected to make $110 billion. For December 2021, this company is expected to make $112 billion. That's close to, uh, that's a little bit over 1%, is it? Over a little over 1% growth in revenue, but still a, a, a bank right now with low rates at the at the moment, uh, how they are, obviously you're not gonna expect huge growth. As rates continue to go up, their revenue estimations will most likely increase. But it is still impressive that they are expecting some form of growth. Again, banks, these big banks are not big growers. Next, I wanted to take a look at annual earnings per share estimates. For this year, right now, this company is expected to make $5.51. That gives this company a forward PE ratio of 17.27. I took a look already at this company's forward uh, PE ratio on average and 17.27 is actually a lot higher than average. But let's take a look at December 2021. I, as an investor, I like to look at least two years in ahead. So December 2021 is perfect. They're expected to make $8.68, which gives this company a forward PE ratio of about 11. All right, so here we are in Lazy FA, and I just wanted to take a look at this company's price to earnings ratio on average. And it seems to average that this, this company has a price to earnings ratio on average close to 12, maybe 12.5. Now I wanted to take a look at this company's, so right now 10.97 means that it's a little bit cheaper than its average. So here I did the math that 8.68 times 12.5, which I would consider the average, gives this company a price of $108. So that's still plenty of long, that's still plenty of ways to go from its current value. And that doesn't mean $108 is what I would consider 
would I would consider that this company be a sell-off? No, that's not what I mean. It means that to me right now, me willing to buy at any price below $108. And we saw Bank of America actually had similar forward PE ratios. And I actually did buy some Bank of America. But now that I'm looking at JP Morgan, I also want to diversify in some other financial sectors. So starting Monday, if prices don't jump up too much, I might actually debate about buying some JP Morgan. And in my last episode of Bank of America, I talked about SLF. SLF is uh, was uh, is a financial sector ETF. But this is something new that I learned. And this is what I enjoy about this is I know I don't know everything and I, I just keep on learning. And there's actually a better ETF for just the overall bank. So SLF had some holdings in Berkshire Hathaway's and some other financial institutions where there's this ETF, KBE is the ticker, is actually pretty much just all banks. So this, this, this valuation from this has actually dropped about 38%. So if you're feeling very bullish in the bank sector, but don't want to invest in one single bank, then KBE might be a, uh, might be a stepping stone for you. I actually might be thinking about also opening a small position in KBE. And here, if we take a look in Yahoo Finance, we can look at their holdings. We can see all their banks are pretty much less than 2% of holdings. We have First Republic Bank, Northern Trust, Bank of New York, JP Morgan, Bank of America. So these are all banks and all these banks make up less than close to 20%. So their top 10 holdings make two per- make 20% of the total holding so so we can see that this is pretty much all banks and truly diversified in the bank sector so i hope you all enjoyed today's episode let me know are you guys willing to buy jp morgan at these prices are you willing to buy any financial banks right now if not are you more interested in their etf compartment slf or which one does this one kbe and like always guys make sure to subscribe hit the thumbs up hit that bell it helps the small channel out so much and i appreciate you guys for watching the video so take care have a good night and see you next time